This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. to another episode of Breaking Pod. I'm joined as always by Josh. We are in self-quarantine. I guess self-isolation would be the more accurate term. We've not been diagnosed with coronavirus. Uh, you will not pick it up through the the earbuds and what you're listening to this podcast. But Josh, are you and your family faring the, uh, the self-isolation well? We're doing as best we can. So a little behind the scenes tidbit for our listeners. We record some of these ahead of time. So by the time you're listening to this, I, honestly, I don't know what the, the situation of coronavirus is going to be. Um, so we'll see. But for now, we're doing okay. We're doing the uh, social distancing that everybody's been That's right. asked to do. So, you know, for any of our listeners here who who didn't listen to the, the most recent edition of the Popped cast, or I guess two popped casts to go by the time you're listening to this, you know, if you're not doing social distancing, I'd highly recommend it. It's going to help hopefully curb the spread of this virus. And we won't get, we won't get too uh, preachy in this, but you know, I feel like if we have any type of a platform, it can be good to just share that with people. If you're not doing it, Hey, stay inside, listen to breaking pod. Cause we got a lot of episodes. Right. We're going to have one coming every week, hopefully entertain our listeners, give them something to do. How about you? How are you guys doing? We're doing well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not fun to be stuck inside. We're trying to get outside when we can, go on walks, things like that. But it's it's uh you know we basically have no uh no places that we can go during the day to another indoor place, including our gym, which is now closed on an a uh, an executive order from the governor of Colorado. So, yeah, we're uh, we're stuck here. Um, but things could be a lot worse. We are praying for those who are actually affected by coronavirus and. Um, uh, hopefully everyone will make a re- recovery. I mean, I think the sad reality is not everyone will make a recovery, right? We know that this right. has a, uh, a significant death rate for those that are affected. And it seems like it's really, especially targeting the elderly, which is, um, very sad. Also very strange. I don't know of another, I'm sure epidemiologists could, uh, could give me a whole list, but I don't know of another virus like this that has such a public profile and like targets one distinct age group. So, uh, so heavily. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that one of the one of the good things so far, at least about the spread of the virus, is that it hasn't really affected children, which is great for a number of reasons. But you know, personally, dealing with any sick child is, is not fun. Zach, as you no, know, it's very having hard. having three children, and I have I have one, and another on the way. So you know, we're thankful that at least the, you know that is is a positive of this if, if there can be a positive found, but you know, we're here to entertain our listeners and I think we should just jump into season three, episode one. I can't believe we made it to season three already. I know it's so exciting. Uh, this one is called no mas. And, uh, of course that means, uh, Josh, I, I'm a fluent Spanish speaker, so I know enough to know that means no, no more. more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so this is the start of season three and we've seen this before, uh, this the kind of the theme of this episode before. So this one's no more. A few episodes ago, we had over, uh, and that was part of, as Josh discussed, that was part of uh, seven thirty seven down over Albuquerque. But the kind of double meaning of that episode name was that Walt was over cooking meth, so he was out of the meth cooking game. Um, however, this episode, no more, delves into some of those same things. We have some, uh, some uh, you know, illusions from Walt that he is getting out of the meth game. He tells Gus Fring, in fact, that he's getting out. But we all know this is only episode one of season three. We know that there's going to be more to this. And there's some really good stuff, I think, that happens in this episode as well. Not the strongest Breaking Bad episode ever, but, but a strong one to start off a season. Totally agree. I was watching this episode again, and, you know, for about the first half of the episode, I was thinking... 
ah, this is not really doing it for me. And it's interesting because you would you would kind of expect a premiere episode for a season to be one of the stronger ones to sort of loop people back in, you know, after a break away from the show. This one didn't quite do it, but but I do think that there are some great scenes that we can talk about. And there are definitely some good moments that we can we can pick out for you guys. Well, I'm excited for the uh, the eventual day when we have Vince Gilligan on the podcast because I want to ask him about this. I suspect, Josh, that this is an intentional play by Gilligan and his creative team to slow roll the build of all these things. Because when you slow roll it, the character development becomes that much more subtle, but also I think that much more relatable. In other words, instead of seeing Walt go from zero to 60 in the very pilot of the entire show back season one, episode one, we see a little bit of some stuff and then we, we get a flashback and we get the whole story. In the same way, season three, I think, builds slowly as well. And season two, frankly, did the same thing. So it's very rare that we get the opening sequence where it's just boom, now we're going 80 miles an hour down the freeway, hold on, buckle your seatbelts, et cetera. It's not, it's not that. That's just not the kind of show Breaking Bad is. And I appreciate that about it because it's not just, it's not a, um, I don't know, it's not a, what's a, what's a good action-packed TV show? It's not like, you know, Amazon Prime's new uh, Jack jack ryan yeah you know it's not supposed to be action-packed in every single episode it's supposed to be a kind of morality play a slow build in which you see characters transform and so i think because of that they they don't want to open up with like these really attention-grabbing things now it's it's against convention for a television show like this but i think it's more uh more attractive in that way to to me as someone who tries to watch things with the eye of a critic rather than just the eye of like a you know, I guess a theater goer or something. Yeah, it's interesting because when you think about it, it, it's kind of a risky play on the part of what was a network or not a network, but a a weekly TV show. Yeah. So I mean, AMC, right? It was on AMC. So when they first premiered this, I mean, we can, we have the ability to finish No Mas and go right on to episode two of season three if we want, because it's just streaming on Netflix. But if you think about the fact that someone would have to wait another week, there are certain things you have to do, and I think they do it pretty well towards the end of this episode to sort of, you know, loop you in. And I know we're going to talk about that particular scene at the end of the the episode, but, you know, it's interesting that they don't do a little bit more of that because it's hard to remember a time when most of the content we consume can't be binged because, right. you know, when this was, I think season three was somewhere in the 2010, 2011 timeframe for, for this show. And so we're still talking about pre Netflix original content. So, you know, there was the idea of binging something was only possible if you were to buy a DVD or a DVD set. And so this, you know, thinking about this episode, it's, it's an interesting play for them to do sort of a slow burn episode in the first one of a season. So uh, if you want to feel old, Josh, like this is making me feel old. I just looked up the release date of this. This premiered March 21st, 2010. Oh, wow. Which when I read, when I read it, I think that's not that long ago. And then I realize it's 2020 and that was a full decade ago. <laughs> full decade so, ago. Yeah. Almost so to the, the episode, day, actually. I know, almost to the day. Yeah, because as you said, we record this a little ahead of time, but this will come out on the 26th, I think, of March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, almost 10, a little more than 10 years, 10 years, five days. Uh, so yeah, it's been a while. You're right. It, it was kind of a riskier play then, but... I guess Vince Gilligan was, was just forward thinking. He knew this would end up on Netflix in continual run. Yeah, and I, I'm sure he knew he had a full season order. So we're going to see a lot of exciting things in this season. So I think he was sort of 
you know, if you, when we look back at the end of the season, we'll see sort of a, a full arc and this one will play nicely into the beginning of that arc. Yeah. I mean, just one more comment on this, just to add on to what you've already said though, this is something I really appreciate about Gilligan or for that matter, any artist who really goes about their craft in a careful way, irrespective of just trying to draw a big crowd. And, uh, you know, maybe Michael Bay has gotten a bad rap. I think Michael <laughs> Bay probably is a little bit more creative than we often give him credit for, but we remember him for the like transformers, right? Yeah. And these big flashy things that like by the end of, by the end of the transformers trilogy or whatever it was, it would, I think they made like a bumblebee one. So there's like four or five of them now. I but, think it's just actually six. Can you believe okay. that? <laughs> so, so this is actually illustrating my point that I just tuned out after like two or three of them yeah. because they're just like, Oh Most my goodness. Did. These are just, yeah, these are just so ridiculous. Or, or, uh, maybe here's a better example. Fast, uh, fast nine or f9 yeah, whatever f9, the new, yeah you guys you guys talked about it on the uh on the podcast a little bit i think yeah 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 so anyway just gets totally ridiculous it, whereas gilligan and people like him i'm thinking of other great filmmakers i mean i think tarantino uh is one who comes to mind in this way uh, much more thoughtful in the way that they tell their story and it's not just about uh filling seats in theaters or getting people in front of the tv yeah yeah absolutely all right well let's do our wikipedia summary josh and then we'll give that a rating and then we'll press on to our scene writing and moment selections. Okay. All right. So here's the two-minute summary from Wikipedia. I do not claim any ownership of this content. <laughs> totally plagiarizing it. Here we go. All of Albuquerque is in shock in the aftermath of the mid-air plane collision. Walter White is living in his home alone, at least for a while longer. His wife, Skyler, has moved out with her son and newborn daughter to give Walt a chance to pack his things. She speaks to a divorce lawyer about making the split permanent, but seems unsure when the attorney says she will uncover any money Walt may have hidden. When she confronts Walt about the divorce, she also learns for the first time just how he made his money. Walt's former business partner, partner Jesse Pinkman, is in rehab trying to overcome his drug addiction and come to terms with Jane's death. He feels remorse over the events that led to the mid-air collision and learns not to shy away from them. <laughs> this, some of these lines are so funny. Walt decides to get out of manufacturing and tells his principal contact, Gus, that he is getting out of the business. Gus has a very attractive offer, however, which Walt briefly considers. Meanwhile, two dangerous-looking cousins cross over into the U.S. from Mexico in search of Heisenberg. <laughs> All oh right, boy. Josh. Oh boy. What what score? What grade are you going to give this one? Letter grade. Yeah, I got to give this one just a solid C minus. And I think a lot of it has to do with sort of the nonchalant attitude with which they deal with <laughs> totally. some major plot points, like when she confronts Walt about the divorce. She also learns for the first time just how he made his money. Like the what she what they're saying there is she learns that he is a meth dealer and and meth manufacturer like it, it's yeah. it's a pretty dramatic scene in in the show in this particular episode and it's also i've actually uh, i've got a little clip of that uh to go along with one of your selections josh but it also isn't that she learns that i, I mean i wouldn't i mean i guess it's confirmed for her but i wouldn't say that she learns that there it's not like he just said i'm a drug dealer and she's like oh that makes so much sense yeah i mean she's figured it out she says it and he basically confirms it by his non-denial or weak denial right mm -hmm. so Absolutely. i totally agree totally understated i agree with your grade of c minus i will do that as well there's also some uh, uh kind of grammatical things that i would quibble with i mean he says walter white is living in his home alone at least for a while longer <laughs> well a while longer than what like you're not comparing it to anything or give me any sort of baseline yeah uh so that doesn't make sense i also love this part we're going to get to that heartbreaking scene where jesse is in recovery in rehab um and where he kind of comes to terms with jane's death um, but it, it just says he feels remorse over the events that led to the midair collision and learns not to shy away from them. He just, he just learns, he just learns <laughs> to not shy away from his, yeah. his emotions. Oh, and then also this is funny too. Uh, I feel like Walt is like, um, 
he works for he uh, he's like a manufacturing executive. I Walt the decides to get out of manufacturing and tells yeah. his principal contact. Not going to be making those what? fridges anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. C minus for the two minute summary. Yeah, I will say one other thing I, I should point out because I don't think we're going to talk about this in any of our in any of our selections here. But I thought they did a really nice job at the beginning of the episode doing sort of like the news real cut of the plane crash. In fact, I sort of like looked away from the TV for a minute, and when I was looking back. I was like, this could be a real, sounds like real news. And I think they actually did have a couple real newscasters in there. I recognize one of them, Ashley something, I think. I can't remember it now. But, you know, it felt like a very real thing. They had people reporting on the plane crash. And it was a nice way to sort of summarize what was going on in the city of Albuquerque based on this event without having to go and talk to individual characters. Yeah, I, I also agree that the montage was well done, at least from an audio perspective and some of the visual. I do have a nit to pick that I can, uh, you know what, I'll just talk about it now because because we brought this up. So uh, if you look at the newscasters, there's this one who's wearing glasses and a kind of like gray jacket and a patterned shirt and a loosely knotted pink tie. <laughs> it's the most garish, the most garish combination uh, that I've ever seen a newscaster wear and it looked totally implausible and not real at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So bad, bad tie selection. I mean, I get it. These are like local news stations, at least most of the ones they're showing. They're not, um, I think they might've had a, a national network in there, but for the most part, I get the impression these are like, you know, Albuquerque, you know, KRDO news now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What they really should have done is have, is have someone stand like next to a green screen and be wearing a green shirt. And then the, the images of the plane crash <laughs> be like on their shirt because yes. <laughs> the shirt got keyed out as well. That would have been classic local news. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Yeah, that was one of my nits to pick. I mean, maybe this is classic local news, but it seemed a little too local. It was almost like, um, I don't know, almost like a high school uh, news club or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, doing absolutely. Their, doing their thing. Um, and for the most part, anchors don't wear glasses, I think in part because of the reflections yep. that show up in the glasses. Um, so that was another faux pas, uh, intentional or not. So yep. that was one of my nits to pick. Yeah, I have a couple, but I'll save them to the end because we have to talk through the episode first to, for them Sounds to make good. sense. Well, should we go best scene? Let's do it. All right. I'll start off with this one. So my best scene is Walt in the school gym. This is, uh, I selected this for a number of reasons. One, this shows uh, how much Walt has not learned anything from this. So we're kicking off this uh, this season with uh, basically right, right where we left off. We thought maybe the horrific events of the 737 down over Albuquerque might uh, trigger a change in Walt's life. But actually, no, it's the same Walt we've always known. He's just self-rationalizing uh, and justifying everything that he's ever done wrong and explaining to uh, people why it's not that big of a deal and not just any people but um you know a gym full of what looks like 800 high school students uh and it's a, a pretty ridiculous scene so this is him uh, talking in the school gym about why this is actually not that big a deal so plus neither plane was full you know the the 737 was was what uh maybe two-thirds full i believe right yes or maybe even three-quarters full well at any rate what you're left with, casualty-wise, is just the 50th worst air disaster. Actually, tied for 50th, there are, in truth, 53 crashes throughout history that are just as bad or worse. Tenerife? Has anybody, anybody here of Tenerife? No? 
So yeah, uh, he's trying to just rationalize all of this and explain why it's not that bad. I mean, this is this is such a callous thing to do, and it reminds me of. I mean, here we sit in the uh, the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, as this is affecting almost every country on earth now, and has killed uh, up almost, I think, approaching as the, as the date of this recording, almost nine thousand lives. And it's pretty common for people to say, you know, Ebola killed eleven thousand. This isn't even that bad. It kind of misses the point, right? This is still bad, independent of whatever bad things have happened prior to this. And so Walt dismissing the uh, the downing of an entire 737 and the smaller aircraft that it hit uh, because there have been 53 accidents this bad or worse is super callous um, and, you know, on its face, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I wonder if, if you think he's doing it because he's trying to justify his own actions because at the beginning of the episode we see in the house where he's currently living alone he has all the newspapers that that sort of outline how this crash happened and i think he's pretty aware that it was his fault that jane died and then as a result her father you know spaced on the job or whatever he sort of lost you know control of his own emotions or whatever happened and so do you think that this speech is him trying to justify to himself almost as much as he's trying to justify to the students that are there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it reminds me of any of the times that he tells people that he's, he's uh, you know, doing the meth thing just for his family, right? Yeah. It's just every time he verbalizes something out loud, or most of the times that he verbalizes something out loud, he's trying to convince himself too. You know, it's like if, if I say it enough, uh, I'll, I'll believe it or it'll be true. I'll speak it into existence kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I almost think that that's, a worse way to be a bad person where you are doing something morally wrong, but then you're trying to justify that it's not really that wrong. I mean, it's always bad to do immoral things, but then to then double down and be like, it's actually not that bad is almost worse because you have someone who's very callous in the way that they approach things. Yeah. Well, I think hold that thought, Josh, because I think you're absolutely spot on and it relates to another scene that I chose for best writing in this. Okay. So I want to come back to that, but yep. let's first go to your best scene nomination. Yeah, so my best scene is the one we talked a little bit about in, you know, when we were talking about the two-minute Wikipedia summary, but Skylar basically confronts Walt, and she serves him divorce papers. Quick side note, can someone serve? I thought there was a thing where you couldn't serve the person directly, like you had to have an intermediary serve divorce papers. I don't I don't know, never been I'm divorced. I'm not sure either. Yeah, you're talking but, to the wrong but, guy. <laughs> yeah, neither of us have been divorced and don't plan to be. But, you know, I was just, you know, thinking like, I thought I spread somewhere, maybe I saw in a different movie. Anyway, I digress. So Skylar- maybe, maybe that has to do with a lawsuit. Maybe it's, okay. uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so Skylar comes and serves Walt the, the, the divorce papers and she says, look, it's over. His reaction is overwhelmingly negative. And this is where she finds out or confirms that Walt is- at first, she she's not sure what drug it is, but she's she knows he's involved in the drug drug business. So we'll hear a little bit of that scene, and then I'll express why I think it's the best scene in the, the episode. You come in here and you wave these papers in my face when there's a, a whole other entire side to this thing. There's your side, and there's my side, and you haven't heard my side yet. You haven't heard any of it at all. You're a drug dealer. No, what, how, what? Again, it's that sort of like doubling down on like, no, there's no way I could do that. And I think it's interesting though, after this, she then goes into like, well, is it marijuana? And he says, no. And then she goes, is it cocaine? Uh, a little higher there, Skylar. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's, what I love about this scene that I think is so good about 
you know, developing character is that Walt's reaction when she asks if he's a marijuana dealer, which is like the lowest of the low in terms of like where you can be on the drug hierarchy, you know, like she's like, you're with that Pinkman kid and he does marijuana. But that is like insulting to him. He's mad. He's like, actually, I'm a methamphetamine manufacturer and I'm like really good at this. I think like he's Heisenberg. Yeah, he's he's almost he's first of all, he denies it, which as we talked about in the the school gym scene, he's sort of like making it worse by trying to deny the fact that he's doing something that's immoral. But then he's offended by the fact that she doesn't give him his credit as you know, for how smart he is. And so I found that really interesting that, you know, it just sort of deepens his character development in a way that some of the other scenes in the episode don't. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's really well done. Uh, and I mean, it's also it's also typical, typical Walt to deny and obfuscate but it's not typical Walt to be totally lost for words. And you heard that pretty long silence where she says you're a drug dealer and he's kind of incredulous. Like you found out, you know, and now what? So all he can do is sort of what? Oh, it, no. And, and, uh, and then eventually he comes clean and you can tell he's being honest at that point, because as we, as we discussed before, his tell is that he just gets really verbal and just tries to, tries to talk his way out of it when he's lying. Yeah. And he's absolutely. not doing that here. Okay. So let's go to best writing, Josh. Uh, I'm going to go to mine, uh, which is a scene between Jesse and Walt. I think it's really well done. Uh, I love the dialogue on Jesse's part, but I want to first go back to what you said and just say, just just remind listeners how you were saying. Correct me if I you know misheard you. You were saying that it's almost worse when you have a bad guy who's trying to like rationalize his his badness and not see his badness for what his badness really is. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Contrast that with a bad guy. I think Gus Fring would be an example of this, right? Like Gus Fring doesn't seem to be conflicted at all. He just knows what he's doing is wrong, but he's going to be professional about it and he's going to go ahead and do it. More importantly, though, for this scene, contrast that with Jesse, who's coming out of rehab. You know what, actually? Let me pause there. I think we should do your best writing first, Josh, just to, just to keep the sequence in order. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. speaking of Jesse and rehab, let's go. So Jesse's in rehab and they're around this fire and I'll let you take it from here. So they're around this fire and he's talking to, I don't know, who is this guy? Like, what is his role? Is he sort of like the the therapy leader? Or he's sort I think of so, yeah, like exactly. Leading the rehab for the people. Right. It's, right. it's a very bit part, but we've talked a lot in this in this show so far through two two full seasons about how sometimes you get these bit actors who come in and they just sort of they kind of they kind of blow it they don't they don't deliver as well as they should i think this is a one of the rare occasions where this guy i don't know his name i didn't look it up sorry to this actor uh he does a really good job this guy nails the delivery of this monologue where he basically talks about because jesse accuses him he's like what do you know Like, what do you know about what I'm going through? And instead of, you know, the guy saying, look, I don't know anything, he has a backstory. And what he delivers is really impactful. So we'll hear a little bit of of what he says to Jesse here. Have you ever really hurt anybody? I don't just mean disappointed your mother or whatever, but did you ever really hurt someone? I killed my daughter. So he goes on to sort of like explain what what happened here. And he was, you know, using drugs and he basically ran over his daughter in the driveway. And what I like, why, why I picked this as my best writing is because not only is it impactful for how Jesse then approaches his life 
after this, which you will talk about when we talk about your best writing, but also Vince Gilligan, I think he was the one who wrote this specific episode, does a really nice thing where he doesn't explain every single thing about this guy's past. He sort of lets the moment hang. And I think that's a really impressive writing technique because a lot of the times writers will feel the need to over explain something. So they'll have this guy be like, and then I backed into my driveway and I hit her and we, we ran to the hospital and then et cetera. He just stops with, I was high on drugs and trying to get my next fix. And I backed out of the driveway and she was behind me. And that's where that ends. And that is more impactful for the audience and it's impactful for Jesse. So I think the duality of that dialogue is why I picked it as my best writing. Yeah. I think it's a great selection and I really like it as well. I would have included more of the audio, but it's just very slow, yeah. Uh, but it's very well written, very well crafted, and I, I think very well done. And I, I think it's, it's uh, it could have very easily been my nominee for best scene as well, but I didn't want to double up since you had already chosen it for uh, best writing. Yeah. So my best writing. So linking from that, then. So Jesse goes there. He talks to the group leader. The group leader relays that story, um, and then Jesse visits Walt in Walt's apartment, and. Going back to this idea, Walt's the bad guy who is trying to justify that the things he is doing are not very bad. And then we have Jesse, who's supposed to be the son to Walt's father, the teacher to, or the student to Walt's teacher. Now we have Jesse kind of speaking truth to Walt in a way that you don't quite expect. And it kind of, it kind of strikes you strangely the first time you hear it, but this is it. You either run from things or you face them, Mr. White. What exactly does that mean? I learned it in rehab. It's all about accepting who you really are. I accept who I am. And who are you? I'm the bad guy. It's pretty tough to hear because at least I, uh, you sort of root for Jesse as you watch the show. And you think maybe this group therapy is going to be redemption for Jesse because he's going to not blame himself, realize who he is, realize that there's good there. But his conclusion, in some ways, is more natural, but in other ways, is more surprising. His conclusion is, oh, I'm the bad guy. This happened because I'm the bad guy. I do bad things. Bad things happen to me. I'm the bad guy. Uh, but he's, in a strange way, he's taking ownership in a much more clear way than Walt ever has or, frankly, ever will. Uh, and so the fact that he's doing that when Walt just continues to obfuscate and excuse himself and justify uh, is really interesting to me. I think it's also great because what we get here is sort of a character deviation for Jesse. Like in the past he said, Oh look, I'm clean. I'm not going to do drugs anymore. He even said it with Jane and at the end of the last season before she died, but we never really believe it, or at least I never believed it as an audience member, but this based on what we are seeing in this episode of him at rehab and him hearing the story from the group leader and then his delivery of this dialogue, it really feels like, Maybe he is going to turn a corner. Maybe this will be a real change for him. And we'll see if it sticks, you know, in the coming episodes. But I think that I like it for your choice as best writing because it really feels like it's believable that this could yeah. be a change for him. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. We're almost out of time, Josh. So let's speed ahead to best moment. I'll just mention mine briefly. There's no audio. But just at the end, these two cartel guys are riding on a truck that is presumably trafficking immigrants from Mexico into the U.S. And they end up killing everybody on board and burning the truck. And it's a really horrific scene. And so I pick it as best moment, not because it was enjoyable to watch or anything, uh, but because it sets up the transition, I think, from this episode that starts out with no mas, right? Maybe Walt will learn from his mistakes to, oh, no, 
uh, you know, he, he has what's coming to him, right? That uh, the cartel is now involved, the cartel's in town and gunning for him, and, and the stakes in that sense are much more elevated. So contrary to him being out of the game, contrary to this being no Moss, this is actually, uh, there's a lot more coming. Yeah, th- there's very much Moss coming. Exactly, very much Moss, yeah, I, I believe is the Spanish <laughs> yeah, way to exactly. say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's my best moment. Yeah, my best moment is a, is a very small thing, but towards the beginning of the episode, Walt, we see him try to burn some of his money in in the grill outside of his house and then he realizes he throws it into the pool and he douses it off and he puts it in a bag and then hank is helping him move basically take his stuff out and move to what we assume is a is a crummy little apartment that will be sad in every possible way but it is yeah yeah but we hear this little exchange between hank and walt and we'll just play that right here and i'll I'll talk about why it's my best moment oh whoa no heavy lifting i got it it's okay i got it jesus we got in there, cinder blocks. Half million in cash. <laughs> That's the spirit. So what I like about this little exchange is that, you know, Hank is picking up this bag of cash to throw in his car to move, and Walt is able to deliver something honestly to Hank. It really is half a million in cash. And just the way that he delivers it, Hank is never going to know and he doesn't open the bag to check. Although if I was moving stuff, I would have been like, well, what is in there? Let me, let me, let yeah, me open exactly. this up. Yeah. So it's a little unbelievable in that way. But I love these moments where Walt can be honest without having to reveal anything. And it's no fault. You know, we've talked a little bit before about is Hank missing something? It's no fault of his. Like he's not suspecting Walt is Heisenberg at this point. But it's just a fun little moment where Walt gets to be honest and Hank just thinks it's a joke. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely right. Uh, and and I said I love the uh, the little kind of the the moments of dry humor like that where the viewer is in on a joke yeah. that only one of the other characters in the show is in on. Yeah, definitely. I just have two nits to pick before we yeah. before we pick our MVP, and and maybe you can shed some light here. The first one is I mentioned that Walt is trying to burn his cash at the beginning, and and then he dumps it in the pool to douse the fire. But it got me thinking, you know, when we saw. And in one of the last episodes of season two, when we see sort of like an overhead drone type shot, Walt's family is one of the only people in his neighborhood that has a pool. And I just, are the whites really pool people? Like none of them seem like they really would ever enjoy being at the pool. Like they don't swim ever. We don't see them do that. Like, why do they have a pool? It seems like a lot of upkeep for My this family. My best guess best guess is that it was already there when they bought the house yeah but you would think maybe they would drain it or maybe that's unsightly i don't know it just seems like they never use the pool i mean we've seen yeah. some good visual elements but the whites you know i don't see walter taking a dip every night maybe walter jr was in a pool phase and they bought it for him <laughs> and then he grew out of it <laughs> oh walt jr in a pool phase now there's a prequel i want to see <laughs> all right my other nitpick is so walt has a conversation with gus in los Poyos hermanos yep there are people in the restaurant and Gus and Walt have a full conversation in the restaurant. They're not that far away from people. They're definitely keeping the appropriate six foot social distancing. Yeah, social distance distancing. Yep. From the other people, but would Gus, as careful as he is, really conduct business in the open restaurant? Like it seems yeah, out of I think character. That's a, I think him. that's a fair nit, and I totally agree with that. Uh, I mean, given how careful he was before and how he didn't want to talk to Walter, even when the restaurant was empty, right. I think it's it's a stretch to think he would do that with people around. Yeah, he comes from one table saying, "How's your food?" and then sits down with Walt, yeah. and he's like, "How's your th- house three million dollars?" <laughs> 
yeah yeah it's a little a little weird so that was my other nip to pick but i guess we can move on to mvp to wrap this up yeah sounds good let's do it so who is your mvp vote today you know this is not the strongest episode so i i don't know i had i had back and forth about what i was going to do but i guess i'll give it to walt he seems to have the most to do in this episode and i think he drives sort of the narrative forward most based on his revelation to Skyler and sort of the the whole like book ending of the episode where the cartel cousins are coming after him like he's going to be clearly the focus of their attention also he has that moment with Hank where you know you're starting to see that tension build and build so I'd have to go with Walt for this one Brian Cranston how about you yeah I think that's a fair uh fair vote and I will do the same thing for me it was between him and Jesse but uh he had a few more moments to shine and I think he shined them very well and drove the narrative forward very well so I agree that leaves us with Walt actually overtaking Jesse for the lead as of this episode Walt has 11 votes Jesse 10 uh and then behind them we have Skyler with seven uh Tuco with four Jane with three crazy eight Saul and Gus with two Hank with one and your favorite, Walt Jr., <laughs> a.k.a. Flynn, a.k.a. Breakfast, zero, zilch, never. All right, well, that's it for Breaking Pod. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Thank you, Josh, for joining me for this. We'll be back uh, next week with another episode, and we'll be, uh, we'll be isolating and socially distancing, and hopefully you are as well, and staying safe, stay healthy. Let us know what we missed, BreakingPod at VernacularPodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Josh. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.